The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, this is a biggie. It impacts everyone. Customer experience. What makes a great one? What turns customers into loyal followers and advocates and buyers? Oh, my goodness. Big topic. Let's see if we can get our arms around this one. So let's talk. Do you think technology is the magic bullet to help you give your customers in your company whatever you do, wherever you're located, give them everything they want and more? And guarantee their loyalty. That's really what it's all about. You just don't want one sale. You want more and more and more. If you think technology is that magic bullet, stop right now and think again. Technology can give you all kinds of wonderful things, real-time insights that will help you be relevant to what the customer wants, help you respond to their needs, their wants, their desires, their hopes and wishes with agility and with speed and flexibility. It'll help you connect with them and collaborate on what you want to give them and what they need. It'll help you transact more efficiently. That's what we want and a lot more. But A delightfully seamless, frictionless customer experience could still be elusive. How do you chase it? How do you find it? How do you grab it? How do you make it part of your business and part of your reputation? I have two experts today. And by the way, we're just a couple days away from the U.S. July 4th holiday. So those of you who are not able to listen live, I know you'll find us on demand a couple of hours after the show and next week after the holiday, of course. Let me introduce my experts. First up is a repeat guest here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. His name is Don Peppers. He's the founder of Peppers and Rogers Group. And let me read the quote that Don Pepper sent me. Statistics show that customer loyalty is not well correlated with customer satisfaction, but customer loyal disloyalty, customer disloyalty is highly correlated with customer dissatisfaction. Don Pepper is, how are you today? Welcome to Coffee Break. Great, Bonnie. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you for joining me. So talk to me. We've got, uh, we've got two sides of the coin here. Well, that, that, the statistics I'm talking about are uh, wi- widely known. Uh, it, it's uh, basically what uh, what they say is that um, uh, increased customer loyalty does not necessarily come with excellent customer service, uh, but decreased customer loyalty almost certainly comes with lousy customer service. Uh, and, and so unless you're doing something like uh, running Disney World or a fine restaurant with a great atmosphere, your customers don't necessarily want a, quote, experience from you. They don't, you know, that what they want is they want their need met or their problem solved. And the quicker you can get that done 
and the more frictionlessly it can happen, the better off you're going to be. That's basically uh, my my uh, uh, my proposition. Don, the word frictionless, bring me into how does this apply to the customer experience? We, we're used to hearing the word delightful, and the favorite sure. word I know for years has been seamless. We want a seamless. Mm-hmm. I guess that means no bumps, no snags, mm-hmm. no seams. We're going to trip and fall over or have to hiccup and say, what? So where do we well, get we, to frictionless? We, we use the term frictionless, uh, but uh, seamless is very close. And um, yesterday I was with a client, and they used the term pain-free. But basically what we're talking about with frictionless or frictionless experience, think about it this way. Your customers um, are not running to your business in order to have the enjoyment of experiencing the purchase process or anything else. Uh, They basically endure the purchasing process in order to have the product or service that is going to meet some need that they have or solve some problem. Now, if I, as a customer, if I could meet that need without ever having to buy from you at all and never even knowing who you are, I certainly would do that. I would do that in a flash, right? Mm -hmm. So the goal for most businesses ought to be to try to make it as simple and frictionless as possible for the customer to to meet their need or solve their problem um, with their product, uh, to get out of the way of the customer meeting the need and let me just give uh, – let me – you have time for one story, one quick story? Yeah, you know what, Don? Hold on to the story yeah. because I want to bring sure. your co-panelist on. He's waiting patiently. I yes, want to get right. him into the mix. We'll talk about his quote, and then we're going to fill the whole hour. Mm-hmm. We might, might not even take any breaks the way this is going. Sure. I think we're going to – because the title of this episode is Frictionless Customer Experience, War Stories from the Trenches. And I think we're going to have good war stories, which will be mm-hmm. victory stories, and some really horrible war stories. So, Don, hold on to that story. I want to bring him on. It's yeah. Anthony Leeper. You know Anthony Leeper very well, and so do I. He's a senior VP and sales general manager of enterprise social software at SAP. And Anthony sent me the following quote, which which will tie on exactly to what you're talking about, Don. Anthony says, many customers believe technology is the only lubricant needed to enable a frictionless customer experience. The individual characteristics needed to deliver that frictionless experience, however, are never consistent. So Anthony poses the question, so is it successful delivery to a customer simply guesswork or luck? That puts it into the, well, maybe it is, maybe it won't. Anthony Leeper, welcome back to Coffee Break. How are you? Hi, Donnie. I'm, uh, I'm very, very well, Bonnie. I, uh, I uh, enjoy these sorts of topics very much, and uh, the ability to talk about customer experience uh, as it applies to frictionless is obviously very exciting for me. So thank you for inviting me back. Our pleasure. So talk to the word frictionless. You say that technology can help, as I mentioned in my intro, but is it guesswork or luck? What do you think the percent is? Is that pendulum swinging toward, hey, they're lucky. They gave 80% great customer experiences, but they could have been 100 if they did what? So where are we leaning, Anthony? I still think there's an element of luck. You know, I I talk about this Mm -hmm. fact that uh, the characteristics that lead to a successful interaction are dependent on the moment. I mean, just take a very simple one. You know, you've just spent the last hour and a half trailing the children around the supermarket, Safeways, whatever it is. And as you get to the checkout and you pay for everything, then you get a discount voucher for something that you would have actually brought had you known it was on discount before you walked around the store. How frustrating Mm -hmm. is that? Now, for somebody (laughs) 
who gets the discount voucher and then goes every day, maybe they don't mind waiting a day to go and get it. But if you only shop once every two weeks and the discount will be out of date by the time the next time you go shopping arrives, that missed, right? So it's all about the moment. It's about the circumstances. It's about the individual requirement. And although technology may help, I think sometimes many companies miss the most simplest of connections to make technology really valuable. And secondly, uh, quite often, you know, there is an element of luck that is in the moment. And in those instances, you have to have people on board who can actually deliver what a customer needs. Anthony, do you think they need to think it through so that by giving that discount on the receipt, as you say, when a shopper might not be there that often and they've really annoyed or inconvenienced the customer, do you think that that's a question of, of upper management or marketing management saying, how can we really do this so that we don't just get the repeat sale, but we get them to buy more when they're in the store at that moment in time and not expect them to come back again and again and again for more discounts? Who has to think this through better, Anthony? What part of the organization? Well, it's interesting. Today, we actually see people having roles of customer officer or customer experience officer or a number of different titles that all mean the same thing, right? How do we, mm-hmm. how do we create a better experience for our customers such that we in, in make it easier for them to buy the products, make it easier for us to gain wallet share, all those types of things. Um, in a lot of cases today, uh, if you take a sort of supermarket thing, it's actually a global marketing environment that's doing it, and that's the challenge. Because what they're looking at is stock and how do they mass deliver that out to the customer without actually asking the question of whether for this particular individual, this would be appropriate or valuable at this time. Mm-hmm. Don Peppers, say hello to Anthony. I know you two are a longtime uh, friends yeah. and you know each other very well. Don, good, you want to talk to you again, Anthony? Don, yeah, great, just a just the three of us today, by the way. It's a small group because it's pre-holiday, but with the two of you, we don't need another panelist, and that's an accolade from me and SAP to both of you. So question is, Don, you want to share your story now before I ask you what's in your cup today? Let's get the stories out. Sure. Uh, well, I guess I was just saying, uh, you know, to create less friction for the customer, you have to imagine what it's like to be the customer, and you have to remove all the obstacles and take all the reasons why they're not going to be able to use your product quickly or efficiently out of the mix. And the story I was going to relate was a friend of mine uh, who happened to be a consultant, a management consultant with a specialization in retail uh, outlets. He was in an athletic shoe store on a busy Saturday afternoon during Christmas season wanting to buy some running shoes. Uh, and he got in line uh, to get helped by this salesman who had like two people in front of him, and and uh, he couldn't help but notice that the salesman sold each of the two people an off-brand of athletic shoe that about half the price of the Nikes and Reeboks that they were willing to buy, uh, and he couldn't understand what their secret was, what, what the secret of this off-brand athletic shoe was. So he confronted the salesman when it was his turn, and the salesman said, look, look around, look how busy it is here. It's so busy, you know, I have hardly any time to even go to the bathroom. But that brand, when they ship their shoes to the store, the laces are already in them. <gasps> okay? So I sometimes wow. tell that story to audiences, and I ask, is that how you ship your product out? Do you make sure that the laces are already in them? Or do you make your customer put those laces in? Do you make your customer fill out the warranty application or whatever? You know, uh, the, the less friction the customer encounters, the more enjoyable the experience is going to be because the less noticeable it will be. 
That's a beautiful story. I want to share with both of you. I'm, I'm dying to share this story, and after that, I'll ask you what's in your cup today or what you're going to be drinking after the show. I recently had to buy a new Macintosh, an iMac 27, for my personal and work use because the hard drive mm-hmm. was really, really funky. It's been repaired. It's been uncorrupted, but it's it's having some temper tantrums, so we can't live like that, can we, guys? No, of course yeah, not. Right. So exactly. I bought the new iMac 27. The migration experience was, pardon me, god-awful. The applications didn't come over. I couldn't pick and choose files. It was nine hours of almost nothing, and I had to hand move files back and forth with a thumb drive, eight gigs at a time. Do not ask me what my weekend was like. But because it was on a new computer, a lot of the software that I paid a lot of money for a couple of years ago no longer wants to work. Error messages pop up, reinstall, reactivate, right. the licenses are working. So here's here's situation A and situation B. I will not name names. One software company with a widely used product that's a suite of applications, you all know who, you, who they are, long name, three syllables, um, I read on the forums that there was a lovely lady in the Philippines who was helping everybody reinstall their software. I called the customer service number. I don't know how many years ago I bought this thing, but it's still active. This woman happened to be the one who answered the phone. Delightful voice. She was like a mm-hmm. like an angel, and that was her name. She said, no problem. Allow me to log me in. I gave her permission. She spent 18 minutes with me. She reinstalled the suite. She explained everything to me. She launched every application. It was seamless, frictionless. I couldn't yeah. stop telling her, oh, my God, you're the rock star everybody's talking about on the forums, and I got you. How delightful. I felt like I had mm-hmm. a new best friend. Second story. Story, another software company, three syllables, five letters, <laughs> different name, um, the, the license would not work. So I called them. I got somebody. He said, we have to update your email address. He put me on hold for 12 minutes. I didn't say one minute, Anthony and Don. I said, 12. I said, what are you doing? He said, we have to upgrade, update your email address in the file. I said, okay, fine. Then he came back and he said, I'm sending you to a page for self-reinstall. I went to the page. It had six options, including getting into the depths of the library files on the Mac, which are hidden now, and finding mm-hmm. deep, deep connections that did not exist on either one of my Macs. Then he said to me, good luck, and he hung up. I called back, and I got another person, and they said, oh, I said, you sent me to a page where I can download, because this was a download. It was purchased online. You can set me to a page with a download for my software. Well, guess what? I tried every language. I tried for Mac and Windows every link ended up in a 404 error page not found. That means the software download is no longer available. They refused to tell me that. They said, hang up and go to the forum. An expert will answer you. So I had to log into the forum. I went in the forum. I put my conundrum on. I said, who can help me, please? It's been three days. I've been viewed by over 20 people and nobody has an answer. You know why? Because there is no answer. So, What do we learn from this, Don? Frictionless and not frictionless? Is this is yeah. this an OMG? And this can you believe a major company treats their customers like this? Don, Anthony, talk to me. They do I can I can well believe it. Uh, sorry, Don. I'll I'll I'll, I'll jump in quickly Go first, but because I think that's one of the things that we see out there in the market. Let's be very honest. Some of those new smaller businesses 
um, and I'll tell you some stories later that, that totally blow me away with the way they just remove all the friction from the initial minute right through to when suddenly something del- is delivered at the house or is, you know, um, you know del- um, serviced or whatever the case may be. And it is incredible. And I think what's happening is the big companies, you know, the we're the world's favorite airline, you know, we're the number one database vendor, we're the, you know, they've forgotten that actually you can get toppled and you mm-hmm. can become not the number one because you miss some of the most basic things. Exactly. Yeah. Don, thoughts? Yeah. Well, um, the the thing is, uh, uh, in order to have the trust of a customer, you, you really have to have two qualities. You, the customer has to think that your intentions are good, and they also <laughs> have to think that you're competent to act on those intentions. That you're not just trying to sell them something, anything they'll buy. That's why, number one, your intentions are good. Number two, that you're competent. The, the, the problem is that even companies that have very good intentions, um, uh, companies with big brand names like uh, like FedEx and Home Depot and American Airlines and companies like that, if their systems don't work reasonably well enough to connect the dots on the back end, the customer is going to say, wow, you're incompetent. I can't trust you. Not only that, I don't even trust your intentions anymore because if you can't even connect the dots on your systems, if, you, if it's not worth the time and energy to fix the system so that I can get your software installed, then how good could your intentions even be? You see? Exactly, exactly. And I've talked to other people who said they've had the same very poor customer service experience Mm -hmm. over and over with new products from this company. But enough about me. It's time for me to ask you because you're on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Don Peppers, where are you calling from today? What's the weather and what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? Well, today I am at home. I am at my my home in Sea Island, Georgia, where the weather is beautiful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I will not be playing golf today. I have too many things to catch up on before I head off to three weeks of international travel starting next week. Hmm. Um, what's, what's getting my uh, cup going today, I, um, uh, uh, I, I'm thinking about this trade-off uh, between uh, good intentions and competence uh, w- with respect to how, company, how customers view the companies they deal with. Uh, I just blogged about it this morning on LinkedIn, and I'm going to be talking to somebody else about it later today. So, and... and uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about how companies make their decisions, you know, uh, to, to do this. I had, a, I had a talk this morning with a, a client who was trying to justify to her boss the cost of, cost of good customer service. Her boss's view is, well, our customers are loyal because we have a near monopoly on the kind of service that we offer. Uh, they're no real big competitors, so why do we need to pay for customer service and you know that's a that's a tough issue it's a tough issue don what are you really drinking (laughs) i'm really drinking fresca (laughs) i don't drink coffee in the morning bonnie that's like putting gasoline on a fire (laughs) i think you're right i i'm kind of the same way thank you and anthony leeper tell us exactly where in the uk you are right now what time of the day and whether it is and what are you drinking go ahead uh lovely well i'm in sunny lincolnshire in the united kingdom which is a uh, a very nice uh, picturesque county it's one of the shires uh in england uh which is sort of on the uh, east area of the united kingdom it's around about four uh, coming up to half past four here now in the afternoon, so it should really be cup of tea time. And last time we spoke, I was uh, drinking English Yorkshire tea, but actually today 
I'm drinking English apple juice. Uh, it's a little hot outside, so uh, any opportunity in England to break out the ice cubes and you do it. So I'm actually having a lovely glass of iced apple juice at this time in the afternoon. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Don, you had something you want to say to Anthony before we go to break? I heard you. No, no. I've, I've just, uh, uh, I always enjoy working with SAP, Anthony, and uh, look forward to talking to you sometime soon, sooner or later. Good. Okay. Guess what? I'm going to give the two of you a break. We'll have a little off-air chat for about 90 seconds, no more. We're going to take a break right now. I'm speaking to Don Peppers at the Peppers and Rogers Group. He is one of the most followed providers of original content on LinkedIn. He has books that are bestsellers everywhere in 18 languages. On It could go on and on, Don, but I'm going to stop right now. Anthony Leeper, Senior VP and Sales General Manager for Enterprise Social Software at SAP. And both of these gentlemen are good friends of Coffee Break with Game Changers. And I'm delighted to be here with you. It is July. Lie already. Where is the year going? Our topic today is frictionless customer experience, war stories from the trenches. If you have war stories and you're listening now while we're live here on July, what is it? July? Hmm. July 2nd, I believe. Yes, uh, losing track already. If you're listening live, why don't you tweet your war stories to hashtag SAP Radio. You can spell that all one word. And even if you're not listening live, we'd love to pick up your war stories. And we'd love the good ones and the bad ones. How many frictionless experiences have you had recently as a customer? Or how does your company approach this? We'll be right back after the break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, or that dial. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back with Don Peppers and Anthony Lieber on this week of July 4th coming up here in the U.S. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and our topic today is we're telling war stories from the trenches about a frictionless customer experience. Are you getting one? Are you giving one? Do you know how to make the customer experience delightful and seamless and fun and interesting and create loyalty without a lot of mistakes and bumps along the way? Don Peppers, let's kick off our roundtable. We're going to go almost 25 minutes straight 
through. I know you, you're ready with your fresca. I know you're all pumped up to do this. Mm -hmm. So why don't we define the parts of frictionless? What does it mean? Anthony Leeper, you'll join in, chime in at any point, and then we'll talk to Anthony a little more about technology, how it helps companies, but is not the magic bullet to always making a seamless. So Don Peppers, kick us off and give Anthony an opportunity to, to chime in. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Well, we've thought a lot about uh, what the attributes of, of a really frictionless experience are, and, 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 and there are four of them, uh, reliability, relevance, value, and trustability. Let me just talk about them one at a time. Uh, reliability mm-hmm. means that the product works, you know, as advertised, that, uh, you know, the things don't malfunction, right? It's just ordinary, what we might think of as product competence, you know, that the uh, that, uh, um, uh, that you're not uh, uh, having to return the product all all the time, like the like the software from the second provider that you talked about last. So their their product is not reliable. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, and uh, the the second quality is relevance. Okay, so um, besides reliability, you want relevance. That is. If I am your customer and I tell you something about how I like to be served, I don't want to have to tell you that again and again. Uh, I don't want to have to re-enter my account number, uh, at, you know, three times in the same mm-hmm. phone call. Let's say uh, so. So simply remembering information that the customer tells you, uh, um, and, and increasingly today with smartphone apps and so forth, uh, customers are, are are beginning to expect that to happen uh, because it is simple for companies much simpler today than it was a few years ago for companies to be able to recall uh, individual um, specifications and data about, about the uh, uh, customers that they're serving. Um, value, uh, basically it's not, it's not critical to be the least expensive product in your category, but you have to be value for money. You have to be on a par with your immediate competitive set. You can't be more expensive than others uh, at your same quality level and so forth. Uh, and and I think very important in value is no hidden tricks or pricing gimmicks and nothing that's going to trip me up when I'm trying to calculate what it costs me. Uh, to to buy this product or to uh, to have this service done, and then the final uh, quality is what Martha Rogers and I call trustability or proactive trustworthiness. That is uh, a truly frictionless experience. Is one where the company that you're buying from is not only uh, watching out for your interest, but proactively protecting you from making a mistake, let's say, or from uh, whether that is buying more than you need maybe, or, uh, you know, uh, buying the wrong size or something. I'll just tell you a very quick story. Yes. Uh, I, I, uh, I buy a lot of books from Amazon. It's very frictionless with Amazon. I just, uh, I see a book referenced online. I go to Amazon. I click on it. It comes to my house. They already have my address, my credit card number. It's a one-click order. Very frictionless. So the other day I was reading an article and I saw a book referenced by two academics and I thought, boy, I really ought to have that book. So I went to Amazon, I clicked on the book, and instead of it coming to my house, I got a warning page. Warning, you already bought this book from Amazon. Are you sure you oh. want to buy it again? <laughs> you see, I'd, I'd forgotten that I already had this book on my bookshelf. Uh, so what Amazon was doing was they were being proactively trustworthy. They were using their database, which was obviously better than my database, okay, 
to remind me that I already had this book. But also think about the frictionless aspect of this. It means that there's one less thing I have to do to buy a book from Amazon. Not only do I not have to give them my credit card number and address because I've already done it, but I don't have to run to my bookshelf first and just check to see if I really have this book already or not. They'll tell me if I have it. You see? Great so story. I love it. Attributes. Reliability, yep. relevance, value, and trust. Anthony Leeper, you got to chime could, in now. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, Go I ahead. I could, I could build on that, right, because it's interesting. You used the Amazon example. But just imagine, you know, you look at your experiences over the web uh, you know, today, uh, how often you use either something like PayPal or Amazon payment services as a means to finish that transaction. In fact, to be honest, I typically walk away from a website if it doesn't use either. Why is that? Well, first of all, I know that PayPal is reliable. I know that it manages my money in a secure manner. It's fairly safe. You know, it's, it's certainly served me well through the last sort of five years or so. Um, the next thing is I find it relevant because I get fed up with when I go through a, a web purchase that I always have to put in my delivery address or anything else. If it's right. gone, you can pay by PayPal. I know it's going to suck all the it's relevant fair. information out of my PayPal account. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it again. Right. Um, value-wise, what I think is great about it is it's not just about the payments. It's about the fact that they give you services. If there's something goes wrong, there's extra guarantees. They'll recover the money right. if the item doesn't get delivered. They do all the other things around it. So it isn't just it's going to pay. It's actually going to cosit you in a whole load of other value and quality activities um, that go beyond sure. just the payment. So I get ease and I get everything else around it. And Amazon's now doing the same, right? I think the days of uh, using your credit card maybe over the web are certainly becoming dated. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I want to throw a w- well-intentioned customer service coup that turned into a little bit of a glitch with both of you, talking about the purchase of that Macintosh at the Apple Store a week ago Saturday. Mm-hmm. I gave them my credit card, which has a nice, healthy credit line. Luckily, I don't need to use all of it, so I had plenty of money so-called in the bank, major credit card, and it was declined the first time the guy at Apple, the salesperson, swiped it through his reader. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I took a deep breath, and I turned a little bit red, and I said, gee, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, please try it again. Isn't that what we all do if we go to a restaurant and the car's right. declined? Please try mm-hmm. it again. You see it in sitcoms all the time. Try it again. It was declined again. At this point, I looked at him. He looked at me. I've got a, a $2,100 purchase waiting to be put in my car, and I can't leave the store, and I'm ready to go home and set up my new Mac. So I said, what can I do? He said, call the phone number on the back. I called. It was Chase, Chase Credit Card, and they said, well, with everything that happened from the theft of the IDs at Target, or Target as I like to call it, last year, we wanted to protect you. This was an uncharacteristically large purchase by you, and we thought it could have been fraud. So we set up a fraud alert. Will you authorize the payment? And I said, yes, of course. She said, tell the, the salesperson to swipe it again, and it went through at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. However, why I think it's misplaced is because I had to go to the embarrassment, through the embarrassment of having my card declined when here I'm saying, yeah, rack it up. I got the 2100. This is cool. And I, I'm smiling at the convertible tops down ready to put this humongous box in the car and I can't leave the store because I can't pay for the darn thing. So, mm-hmm. Don, how could they have done it better as Amazon protected you from buying a duplicate book? How could Chase have done it without causing me the embarrassment? What could have happened a little better? Well, number one, simultaneously with the decline of the purchase, they ought to have sent you a text message. 
They did, but my phone was in my person. It was a noisy uh, Apple store, and okay. there was no way I got any kind of alerts. So, yes, one, that's one, possible. One other way, one other way uh, uh, and I'm not sure that all payment systems accommodate this, um, but I've uh, put credit card in uh, for a purchase and had the message come back from the cashier. It, it says, call the card vendor. Okay, it doesn't, it's not the client. It just says, call first. You know, we That would have been it. That would have been the one that would have that would have made me yeah. feel better. Anthony, yeah. thoughts on you know, that? You agree? I'm not sure that that's yep. possible with all payment systems. Do you know, Anthony? Uh, I don't, to be honest. I don't, you know. But again, I think there are simple ways. You know, they could have probably called the store. They'll have the store number. Yeah. I think this is the point, right? It's actually the issue of these credit card companies connecting the dots from a technology point of view. Um, You know, one of the simplest things they probably could have detected, irrespective of um, the whole situation of, you know, Bonnie couldn't hear a phone or anything. What if they'd been tracking Bonnie's phone? What if they'd realized that it actually had walked into the Apple store store on the high street? We know she's in there. The likelihood is it's her making the purchase. This is intelligence now. This is an opportunity for credit companies. I talk again and again about the frustrations I have when I'm woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning in the U.S., um, you know, by somebody from, from the U.K. credit card company I use who wants to confirm that I happen to have spent money on my account in the U.S. and a couple of hours later in the U.K. And what they want me to do is to sit and answer questions on whether I made the transactions. And even though I'll talk to them expressly at 2 o'clock in the morning, if my wife is buying things, I can't confirm the transactions because I haven't phoned her. You've just woken me up. They right. will go on and say, look, you know, unless you confirm these transactions, we will have to cancel your card, oh. which is ridiculous. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I, so in the end, I'm having to say yes to transactions. And then what I do when I hang up the phone is I phone my wife and say, I presumed you made these transactions, like <laughs> filled the car up in a petrol station whilst I happened to buy a suit in, uh, in California the, the night previous, right? Um, but this happens again and again and again. I mean, the interesting thing is, literally, I've had to get a new credit card uh, ordered yesterday because what they didn't notice was I haven't been in the U.S. for over a month, and suddenly somebody's drawing $500 out of the same ATM machine five times in somewhere oh. in Orlando, oh, and really? they don't stop it. And, and so, you know, if you want me to have trust and confidence that you can actually give me a frictionless service, that didn't work. Um, But my point all the time is they knew where I was. On my phone, they know that I'm now in the U.S. They probably Mm -hmm. even know the state, the location, everything else. So they can put some simple dots together. And what they could have done when I landed within an hour or so, they could have simply sent me a text, first of all, that says, we noticed you're in the U.S. Um, Could you just text us back to us how long you're going to be there? That would give them some security. At the same time, they could have... Uh, send me a text that says, is your wife with you? Yes or no? Then, then my wife's in a different mm-hmm. location. The most simplest thing they could remember is, if his phone's in a U.S. timeline, why don't we wait till 9 a.m. to dial him? Oh, because thank God. Because he's going to be in a much happier mood. <laughs> Wouldn't so that be thing, brilliant? I think it's, yeah, I think it's connecting technology, Bonnie. And the simplest thing they could have done is to maybe given you an application that gives them the right to ask more questions than they'd normally feel comfortable but the reason you use that application is because you know it's going to give you better value and service and a far more frictionless experience with your credit card. They'd get loads of data they'd never had before that would be really valuable, but at the same time, they would stop making you be embarrassed in your Apple store. 
Yes, they would. And by the way, the lady on the phone at Chase told me that a major source of fraud now is computer purchases at stores like Apple. They are getting sure. fraudulent mm-hmm. purchases at, at a, a decent-sized ticket price, and they are noticing that these are popping up everywhere. So they were protecting me on two levels. But little, not about me. Let's talk. Anthony, I want to bring you in on a, a new thread here that wraps around everything we've been discussing. I'm reading from the notes you sent me before the show. Let's have you start this, and then we'll ask. Don to chime in. You say to companies, modern companies, you need to listen, you need to analyze, and you need to predict in order to have detail-level insights about your customers and the markets and the ability to optimize and strategize collaboratively to react with speed and agility and leverage. Here's the kicker. I want you to talk about this. You need to leverage your entire organization to orchestrate, connect, and transact with your customer so you are empowered to deliver powerful customer experiences, and that's positive, powerful. So how do companies today, Anthony and then Don, how do you get your entire organization to be part of this? How do you get it down to the level of the person in the store, the foot soldier, if you will, at the brick-and-mortar store, or the agent on the helpline from a major software vendor? How do you tell them this experience counts, this customer is important, don't mess it up? Anthony, how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing is it, it, it happens through culture, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of companies who sort of have this ethos that, uh, you know, it's all about the service. It's all about the um, the way you interact with the customers and stuff. Because let's face it, you can buy the same television from 50 different stores, right? If you're going to buy it from this store, it's about the service. It's about the way you approach the customers. So first of all, it, it has to be in the ethos. And you have to value the customer beyond the price of the product, because if you get it right, then the customer will come back and buy more products. So during that experience, you have to be thinking all the time, you know, um, am I, you know, putting the customer's interests first? And then, and then you know, you have to lead from the top downwards, right? I mean, uh, so often, you know, you'll find foot soldiers at the, at the ground floor of a company, you know, trying to do the best they can every day in order to improve the relationships with the customers and stuff, and then discover that there's some change of direction from the company. You know, I don't know, there's a decision that we're no longer going to upgrade the software. Um, and, you know, suddenly the poor guy in the store is, is in, a, in, a, in a situation where he can't solve your computer problem, can't give you a latest software. But actually, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not his decision. Somebody higher up has made a decision that we don't mind upsetting the customers in this instance. And so, again, I think, you know, it, it has to happen. It has to flow through the company. And there are some companies that do it very well. Uh, I think, you know, people like uh, Virgin, who I speak an awful lot about, people like Marriott, great brands who, who really try to put the customers front and center in a lot of the things they do. Um, and there are many. We all have great stories of companies. But, but there are also others that pay lip service to it, and they don't create it as a culture throughout the entire company. Don Peppers, I need you to chime in on this. I know you have a POV. Uh, uh, I agree. It's it's absolutely a culture uh, a culture thing. Uh, it, it, you know the the saying is you you can't you you can't write a line of code or a business process rule uh, that requires an employee to satisfy a customer. Uh, the employee has to want to satisfy the customer. Um, let me just tell you uh, another quick story. Something happened Please. to me when uh, my family and I lived in London, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on the UK here, but. Um, <laughs> But go ahead. <laughs> we wanted yeah, please to, do. Uh, my wife and I wanted to meet some friends of ours from the U.S. We're flying over to France uh, in a small town on the Brittany coast. And so 
she went on um, uh, British Airways website and uh, booked a flight there uh, and then called our friends and found out when they're going back to the airport to return. And then she went back to the VA website and booked a return flight, at which point, I mean, uh, uh, she found that a round-trip flight would have cost less than either of the one-way tickets. Oh. So she called uh, the VA uh, reservation line and said, you know, I was just on your site and I had this problem and uh, obviously, I, you know, I made that mistake. Uh, you know, it was like 20 minutes ago, but I need to. And the answer was, I'm so sorry, we can't do anything for you. The system won't let us. Uh, we can't override the system. Uh, I know it's unfair. The woman was very sympathetic, she said, uh, but, you know, I just can't help you. I'm sorry. So we got stuck. Contrast that with the very next weekend, our whole family uh, uh, was going on a, on, on a weekend trip during a bank holiday to the Netherlands. We're going to go to the Netherlands, and we had booked tickets on EasyJet. But we, we overestimated our ability to get to the airport during this heavy rush hour at the beginning of a bank holiday in London. Uh, and we didn't get to the airport in Gatwick in time. Uh, and I'm having nightmares about this because we bought, you know, four round-trip tickets. They're all – it's a non-refundable airline. Uh, and I'm thinking the whole week in this shot. Uh, and um, uh, as we get to the to the counter, the uh, uh, the agent at the ticket counter at EasyJet says, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, the flight's already left. But you know what? I'll tell you what um, – the traffic is terrible in London. I'll, I'll waive the rebooking fee for you, and I can book you on the first flight out tomorrow morning, and uh, you should just stay at a hotel here at Gatwick tonight. And tell me the name of the hotel in the Netherlands where you're going to stay tonight, and I'll call them and see if I can get, the, get them to refund you the, 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 the night tonight. Wow. Now, the difference, the difference here is uh, that EasyJet had the same kinds of rules and systems uh, that British Airways did, but it, EasyJet, they trust their employees enough to allow their employees to use their judgment to override the system when it is appropriate. Uh, and uh, I think that that's a strong lesson because computers are never going to be wired to do everything. You're never going to get a computer to do everything. You'll never be able to anticipate every possible situation and predict it and plan it in advance. And so you need people who are willing to do that. You need people who are smart empowered mm -hmm. by their company, trustworthy by the company mm -hmm. and by the customer, and who are willing to step up and take the risk yeah. of stepping we out say, of that we box. Say, we say the employees need to be engaged in their work. That is, they endorse the company's mission. They like being yes. where they are. They, they want to work for the customer's interest. Uh, and they also have to be enabled to accomplish. So they have to have the right training and skills and have to access to the information, and they have to have the authority to make that decision. And if you have engaged and enabled employees, it's like having good intentions and competence in your employee body. That's what it is. Absolutely. That's where it comes from. Anthony, thoughts on this uh, and the employee engagement? You said it's culture, but are we talking about the lowest level of low-paid employees in any industry just not wanting to be engaged? They're not happy in their jobs. They'd like to have a, a glamorous job. They'd like to wear a better uniform or not wear that silly costume. They'd like to be paid better. They want respect from the company, and all they're doing is talking to their friends in the corner and grousing while you're searching a huge store trying to find something, and nobody will help you because they do not want 
too because they think they're not paid enough. Anthony, how do companies, I'm talking big companies with hundreds of stores around the country or the world, how do they get that down to the level that, damn it, you matter to us and you are part of our brand and the customer experience? How do they get that message across? Thoughts? Well, it's interesting. There's, there's a couple of bits. So first of all, yeah, again, it's back to making the aspect of delighting a customer, making a difference, uh, doing something that uh, in a way is going to engender loyalty because you can't guarantee it at the time, right? But you hope mm-hmm. the customer is going to come back right. and do more business. You know, there's a great facility. Let's pick on British Airways for a second. And, and by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a stark fact that they, you know, you know, they were the, as they said, because I'd never believed it, you know, the world's most favorite airline. Today, EasyJet shipped more passengers around the world than uh, than actually British Airways do. And, you know, it's, it's less money on the ticket, and yet they deliver a better service. But if we go to British Airways, one of the things that British Airways have started doing is they have this concept which is called golden tickets. And you can, if you are um, a British Airways cardholder, you can allocate as part of your Air Miles card a golden ticket to a British Airways service representative who has delighted you or exceeded your expectations or whatever. And I think it's the same in stores. You know, make customer satisfaction, the reaction to the customer, the focus on the customer. Um, Make sure that there is a, a, a sort of understanding of what is it that we want to deliver that we consider as good customer service? Because, by the way, it isn't hanging around me while I'm looking around the store trying to decide what I want um, and badgering me and making me feel like I shouldn't be in that store unless I'm, you know, chaperoned at all times by a sales guy. Um, but at the same time, of course, when I start looking like I'm lost or I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying to understand the details of the telly, just be there to offer a simple bit of information. Um, and so... I think it's understanding what is it that's going to be relevant to the customer from the point of view of uh, good customer service, and then making sure it gets recognized. Is it a pay thing? I absolutely don't think it is. I mean, yes, there is a pay thing around the culture of a company, but, you know, I've seen some of the lowest paid people give the most ultimate customer service ever. I want to know where. (laughs) Whether the customer values it. Interesting. I, I have to share another story, a, a really good one. Uh, a relative, I won't name exactly who it is, is visiting me here in New York, and he's a senior VP of a large, very well-established global company that changed its car rental business from car rental company number one to car number car company that tries harder number two. And car company number two was so, so happy to have this huge business that they quietly upgraded the accounts of the executives. So my relative gets to the airport in New York yesterday and takes the shuttle bus, the courtesy shuttle to the car rental terminal or the, the office. And the driver starts saying, are you a chairman? And he said, no, I'm a senior VP. Are you a chairman? They get to the destination at the car place. A woman walks out, hands my relative a key and says, we have a brand new BMW minivan waiting for you and your family. You've been upgraded. You're a chairman. So he looks at her and says, what's a chairman? And she said, well, your company does such good business with us. And we're so delighted to have you as a new corporate customer that you're one of the top executives whose upgrade has happened. And we're just delighted to hand you this new car. She simply got in the car. She showed him how all the features work. She welcomed the family and said, what else can I do for you? They had just rented a midsize sedan, which was plenty for this visit. Don, what do you think? Amazing? 
No, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, ter- perfect, and I I recognize the story real easily. Um, I think the the um, it's it's very easy to uh, uh, to focus on um, uh, giving a customer a benefit in order to delight them. I think it's a little harder, however, to delight the customer or to or or to at least satisfy the customer so that they'll come back and, and again and again um, without having to spend. Uh, more money. Um, it, the truth is uh, that person would have been extremely delighted if the woman had been out there just personally greeting him and saying, hey, we're so glad to have you. I just wanted to personally say hello and thank you yes. very much for your business. You're yeah, right. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not a good thing to, to give the benefit and a perk and so forth and, and different people respond differently. But it's not always true that it costs money to satisfy customers either very well yeah, very I, point i agree with point. that you know i fly virgin a lot as you know uh, bonnie i mm-hmm. have a gold card mm-hmm. because i fly them so regularly um you know uh it is probably nine out of ten times when i get on a virgin atlantic flight you know, once we've taken off and we're in the air and we're flying that the chief steward or stewardess will come along and they just kneel down mm-hmm. very quietly beside me and say you know what? Welcome back, Mr. Leeper. We're very pleased to have you on the board. This is my name. Uh, just ask for me if there's anything you need or, or anything that you want to discuss. Very low nice. level, very nice, but I just know that they've recognized who I am on the plane. And that's lovely. And uh, it just goes a long way, right? So uh, the bottom line here, and we've got, uh, let's see, we've got nine minutes left till we're going to close the show. And I'm not going to take a break because I'm enjoying this conversation too much with Anthony Lieber and Don Peppers. And I know you well, both uh, have uh, Bonnie, a lot I more. St- can yes. I just, yeah. Can I just tell you one story about recognizing customers? This, this is some, this I wish you would. Happened to me about just a few years ago. Uh, I, I, um, uh, I was, uh, uh, I had to go to Detroit, uh, for several weeks at a time. That is, a. um, uh, I had a, an assignment where I was going to go um, uh, one once a week for like six the next six weeks. I was going to go to Detroit, so I picked out this hotel. It was a Marriott Courtyard. I picked mm-hmm. out this Marriott Courtyard, and we made the reservations um, um, for uh, every like Tuesday or Wednesday night for the next six weeks. And I showed up my first night, and the the manager came out when I showed up to check in. The manager came out and said, "Oh, Mr. Peppers, do you mind if we take your picture?" And I said, no, no, no problem. So he took his mobile phone out and he took, his pic- took my picture. And I said, but why? Why are you doing that? And he said, well, you're going to be a guest of ours um, for uh, several times over the next few weeks. And uh, what we do is I, I put, I'm going to put your picture on our employee site so that when employees check in for their duty in the morning, they know what you look like when you show up. And sure enough, <laughs> the next week when I showed up, the, the person, a different person behind the desk said, oh, you missed the peppers. Welcome back. <laughs> very, very, very nice. So that's reliable. He made his mm-hmm. employees reliable. He made the experience relevant well, because yeah, they knew who you were. Relevant. They made it valuable because it was important for you to be recognized as a good mm-hmm. customer and trustable. You trusted that they would take care of your needs. I love that sure. story. By the way, Don, I wasn't ending the show. I was just trying to say that we're not going to take a break and we're going to segue oh, good, in the good. next three or four minutes. I wasn't doing that. We're going to mm-hmm. segue in the next three or four minutes into our crystal ball round where I'm going to ask you and Anthony, but Don, first, to give me your predictions on 
let's fast forward to 2020. I love that hindsight is supposedly 2020, we'd like mm-hmm. to think. So let's talk about future look, but let's not go there quite yet, just about two minutes. Right. And I'm going to ask you two to give your predictions on what's going to happen. Anthony, I'd like to close off the technology part of our discussion before we go to the predictions round. Uh, is technology sort of, kind of, almost a magic bullet? Is it enough if companies use analytics well and they master their big data and harness it well enough and they have the right data scientists working for them, will they have the means and the the meat on the bones, if you will, to put in place delightful customer experiences? Is is technology something they can't live without if they're going to do this? Um, It's always hard. Can you live without technology? Um, You know, you used to get delightful service from the elderly gentleman at the sweet shop on the corner of the road. Thank you. When you Thank went you. in, he remembered the sweets that you had last time and exactly. you know, he, he gave you a lovely service. But, you know, that was small. That was easy to do. When you're a multinational company serving, you know, potentially millions of customers, it, that's a hard thing to do. So then technology mm-hmm. plays its part. Technology helps you start to connect the dots. And the more you can connect those dots, the more you can think about relevance. You know, I always talk about, again, my, my airline experience. You know, if I'm rushing through a terminal and I want to catch a flight and I just want an uninterrupted experience as I rush through the terminal, then, you know, checking in at a machine, being able to rush through the terminal is a great experience. If I'm on an international flight and I've got five suitcases, a bunch of children, and I've got to go to a machine where I've got to type in all our details five times and stuff, that is not a nice mm-hmm. experience. And if I'm paying $2,500 for a ticket per person, actually, I think I deserve 10 minutes of somebody's time to take all that hassle off me. So how do you understand that? Well, you suddenly realize that Anthony's not flying alone because his family members are with him. You understand that he's coming to the, the, the airport. He doesn't look like he's in a rush because he's given plenty of time between the time the flight's departing and the time he's hit the airport concourse. How do we connect to him? Well, his mobile detection uh, capabilities, you know, knowing where his mobile phone is, gives you that mm-hmm. information. And if you really value Anthony because he is a, an absolute stellar customer like Virgin Atlantic does, then actually they know I'm arriving at the door before I get there. And so, you know, I get a, a total, hello, Mr. Leeper, welcome, you know, do you have any bags to check in, all of that stuff. But it's all very personalized from the point I get to the doorway. So I think technology helps. It's not the silver bullet, as we've said before. Mm-hmm. But I think without it today, in order to scale in today's marketplace and be, in order to be responsive and reactive, you probably can't live without it either. Thank you. Good point. I'm ready to go into predictions. We've got four minutes to the close. I need one minute for myself. I'm going to give you 90 seconds for predictions. Don Peppers, go. Well, I think consumer standards are going to continue to increase with respect to uh, what they expect from businesses they deal with. They expect businesses to provide them more and more frictionless environments and more trustability. Um, I think consumers increasingly will be checking the opinions of their friends uh, and their connections before they make buying decisions or service decisions. That's what I call social filtering. It's already uh, uh, quite uh, prolific. Um, the uh, um, uh, Google has something they call a zero moment of truth when a customer is sitting in the parking lot and uh, uh, Googling to, to, to find the product reviews or checking um, the uh, social network. I also think consumers increasingly are going to buy uh, through their own algorithms or their own formulas. Um, there was a website at one point called Decide.com. It was bought by one of the big companies, either eBay or Google or somebody like that. But Decide.com predicts 
price movements on thousands of retail products and will tell you if the price is likely to go up or down in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you could set uh, – uh, eventually, you'll have that on a smartphone app. And when the price of your next Macintosh goes down the right way, you know, your app will actually execute the purchase. So look for consumers in the year 2020 to be increasingly navigating their own purchases with the use of their own smartphone apps and algorithms. Thank you, Don. Terrific. Anthony, I've got a minute and a half for you, 90 seconds. You're up. Go. Okay, well, I think we're going to see some some massive changes. Look, the first thing to recognize is that the power of Amazon that you love so much, Don, or the the power of PayPal, etc., is available to anybody and everybody. So the big major retailers and the big major stores are going to have to get on board and work out that if it's easier for somebody to buy something over the web, then they're not going to get in their car and drive to the retail store. So the retail store has to become a very different and very revolutionary experience. You have to be drawn in because the retailer, the store, the presence on the high street is connected to your mobile devices, to your environment, the way you live, the way you interact with technology on a regular basis. And it invites you into the store. And at the point you walk through the store, what you are prepared to share about you and the way you want the experience to happen within the store is already communicated to all the representatives around the store. Imagine as you walk through the door, if a rep that you'd never seen before walks up and says, hey, welcome back, Mr. Leaper. How's that video machine that you had last time you came going? How can I help you today? And you're thinking, well, how do you even know I had a video machine? Because technology Mm -hmm. has connected the dots. And at the point you then say, well, actually, what I was looking for was the ABC that goes with that particular device or whatever it was. And he says, I can immediately get it for you. In fact, Mr. Leaper, uh, it's on my iPad here. Why don't I just select it and you can go and collect it from the, the checkout? Uh, and, and then you're suddenly, well, okay, and what if at the time the store was using PayPal? So at that point he says, and in fact, you just pick it up. You don't even have to pay. As long as you just authorize here, then payment will happen immediately. Anthony, I have to thank you. We're out of time. This is great. Don Peppers, Anthony Leeper, such a pleasure to speak with both of you. I love swapping war stories with you. Let's hope when we meet again we'll have some more positive ones and not so many negative ones. For my listeners, next Wednesday we'll be right back here on Coffee Break with Game Changers again talking about mentoring part two. And uh, big news, Financial Excellence with Game Changers season three kicks off on July 15th. It's moving to Tuesdays at 12 noon Eastern. Thank you again to Don Peppers and Anthony Leeper. Happy holiday to Don and happy everything to Anthony. Thank you, Malcolm Kimberlin. Thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And here's my call to action. You know what? It's coming. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.